Praise God. If you have your Bibles, I want you to um, I want you to turn with me. First of all, there was a passage of scripture that I had not really intended to read, uh, and yet I feel like I want to read it. It's a, a long passage of scripture, and yet it really, as I was reading a while ago, it was it was really the basis for this message. In fact, I'll be. Throughout this message, I'll be referring to some of these verses of Scripture here today uh, that I believe will uh, help us to understand what it is that Jesus is talking about. And I want to just start with that, and then we'll get into the message a little bit uh, and uh, go through this and be challenged to be all that God desires us to be as believers Matthew 23, turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 23. Uh, Matthew 23, and we're going to start at verse 1, and I'm going to read down through a major portion uh, of this chapter to give us an overall sense of what it is that Jesus is talking about and where our message is headed today. Matthew 23 the Bible says, Then Jesus said to the crowds uh, and to, the, to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue. They love to be greeted in the marketplaces and to have men call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have only one master, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you will be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you, he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. Woe to you blind guides. You say, if anything swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold in the temple, he's bound by his oath. You blind fools. Which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on it, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And he who swears by the temple swears by it and, every, and, and by the one who dwells in it. 
He who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean out the, inside, uh, the outside of the cup and dish, but the inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First, clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Woe to you, teachers of the law, you hypocrites. You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the day of our forefathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your sin for your, of your forefathers. I'm going to stop reading right there. Hypocrisy. Today we want to just finish up and take out the trash of hypocrisy. The Bible says this. I'm going to read two other verses of Scripture. You can write them down. But 1 Peter 2 and verse 1 says, Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Jesus said this, and as he quoted the prophet Isaiah in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 8, he says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. The church today seems to be a little bit afraid of the subject of hypocrisy. Sometimes I wonder if it's not because the church is full of them. I remember my father, years, many years ago, there was a man in our town who his wife had started coming to church. She had gotten wonderfully saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and she was trying to get her husband to come to church. And he told me the story years later. He said, you know, he said, I had a conversation with your dad one day, and he said, your father told me, he said, you know, why don't you come? He asked me, why don't you come to church with your wife? Why don't you, you know, just come? It's, it's always better as a family to just come to church. And he said, you know, he called him brother. They, everybody called him in the town, Brother Lawrence. He said, Brother Lawrence, I, I want, he said, you know, I'd like to come. He said, but you know, I don't want to be a hypocrite. That was a noble thing. And my dad said to him, you know what, Bill? One more isn't going to hurt. One more isn't going to hurt. And do you know that, that very response, the next Sunday he was in church, he went to the altar, he got saved, he's been in the church ever since. Brothers and sisters, there is in all of us those things that we ought to overcome. 
and from time to time, it gets the better of us. I'm not talking about struggles. And this is where we have to draw the line between that which we battle against and that which we just lazily excuse. You see, the hypocrite makes excuses, but beyond making excuses, the hypocrite does this. It just covers what's going on. It says, this is a part of me, let me just put a covering over it so everybody will be fooled. I believe with all my heart that hypocrisy is one of the great dangers in our lives as Christians. You see, this topic confronts you on areas of your life where your heart doesn't quite line up with your speech or your actions. We read at the beginning of Matthew 23, I believe it was, either verse 3 or 4, Jesus told the disciples and to the crowds, He said to them, He said, I want you to make sure of this. The Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. They are judges of the law. They are teachers of the law. They pick up the law and they read from it and they tell you how to live. He said, do what they're telling you to do, but don't do what they are doing. You ever have somebody, you know, maybe mom or dad, Say, do as I say, not as I do. For the Christian, that needs to be just turned around. You need to remember that it is a do-as-you-do kind of thing. Trust me, whatever it is that you're saying to your kids or have said to your kids and you are doing the opposite, I guarantee you they will follow in your path. They will do what you do. Even though Jesus said to the people and to the crowds, do what they say, don't do what they do. And yet it seems as though as much as he admonished them, as much as he taught them not to do what the Pharisees did, who was it? It was a mass mob of people on that day when Jesus was hauled before that kangaroo court and sentenced to death and everybody lifted their voices, crucify him, crucify him. Oh, there was that hypocrisy. We want to hear what you have to say, Jesus, but we don't want to do what you have to say. Somebody once said, Richard Owen Roberts, an author, he has authored uh, a number of books on revival, but he says this, he said these words, he said, there are many who agree with God in principle, but not in practice. It's easy for us to sit here on a Sunday morning with everybody else around us after we've had praise and worship, and after we have felt the presence of the Lord, and maybe God has ministered to you in some way, to nod your head and agree with the pastor, to say amen as we preach a message or as somebody else prays or as somebody else does something in the service. Yes, it's easy to agree and many times we agree in principle, but unfortunately what happens sometimes is the practice eludes us. The practice seems to be out of our reach because we don't want it to be within our reach. You see, brothers and sisters, I believe that a Christian is somebody who makes it so much easier for those who say they don't believe in God to believe in a God. At least, that is the way it should be. You see, Jesus, as we just read in Matthew 23, was not afraid to confront the hypocrite when he encountered them. He didn't use kind words to describe them. We just read it. In fact, if I had kept reading, you would have seen him call them a bunch of snakes. Brood of vipers, he says. A viper is not a nice snake. It's not your ordinary. I grew up 
in Maine. I hate it. I hate snakes, by the way. Just, I, just so you know, uh, I, I have no interest in them. I am not a reptilian kind of person. I no love. There's no love there. But in Maine, we had grass snakes, and they were maybe oh about that long, you know. And they were afraid of 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 people. You you go through the grass, and they sliver through. It wasn't that big of a deal. You never had to worry. And every now and then, some kid who didn't care, you know, he'd pick up the snake and he'd come running. I didn't want anything to do with the snake. This would think vipers are not your ordinary snakes. They are full of venom. They will kill. And this is exactly how Jesus was describing these hypocritical Pharisees. There is death in the pot when there is hypocrisy in our lives. There is something that will speak about death, not only to you, but somebody else, as that hypocrisy comes through. I realize today this is not your shouting message. But I believe with all my heart we have to take stock of our own lives. You say, Pastor, do you know something about us? No. You see, this is the thing about this series. I don't know anything about anybody when it comes to this. I just really believed in my heart that God had something for us that we needed to just begin to take inventory of our own lives. I'm not, I don't have any view of anybody's life. God has not shown me anything in your life specifically, but I believe that this is something that if we don't keep in front of us and we are not concerned about, that it will get the better of us and we will be what Jesus called these, these Pharisees, these hypocrites, that will be a, a bunch of whitewashed tombs. We've got to have life on the inside. God doesn't want us to walk away. I'm a Christian. You know, kind of like Eeyore with being a Christian. You know who Eeyore is? You know, Winnie the Pooh. I'm sorry, I'm too close to that, still that age group. You know, Eeyore, I'm a, I'm a Christian. You know, he walked around, oh, poor me. You know, his ears flopped down. He's that, I don't know, what, what is he anyway? He a donkey? He was... He, I don't know what he was, but he, he looked like he was always sad, Eeyore. There was, you know, but we try to dress it up. We don't even betray it like Eeyore does. We dress it up. We put the smile on, but on the inside, we're full of dead men's bones. Brothers and sisters, God has to help us. In our day, I wonder if, how many hypocrites go unchecked. Pastors don't preach on this topic very much least from what I can tell, simply because it offends. What if, you know, so-and-so gets offended? Ooh, that's going to be tough on the financial records of the church. That's going to be a big hit on the offering. What if this person doesn't do it? Man, I depend on them to help with Sunday school, to help with children's church. I depend on, ooh, what's going to happen? I can't touch that. God help us for betraying the Word. God help us for allowing those thoughts to enter our minds and our hearts. You know what, brothers and sisters, there isn't anybody in this room, including yours truly, that does not come to the Word of God and say, God, we've got to be convicted by it, but change us by it. And He'll change us if we open our hearts and our minds. Whatever God points to your finger, points at His finger at you about, you've got to be willing to say, yes, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Because in the end, being a Christian is to be like Jesus. But today I want to look at hypocrisy and specifically why it's so bad. And I think in order for us to understand that a little better, I want us to understand the meaning of the word from the original language of the Bible. I know you, know, you could go to 
Merriam-Webster dictionary and you could find out what it means or you could Google it and you could just find, you know, hypocrisy and hypocrite and all of that. And they have some very good definitions of it. It is, it is I believe, Merriam-Webster, I didn't write it down, but Merriam-Webster defines it as a feigning of a religious or pious kind of uh, experience. That, In other words, I'm faking it. It's a fake. But I found, quite honestly, the original language of the Bible, the New Testament, was Greek. It was written in Greek. And, and I found the definition as it's derived out of that original language. I found the definition to be so much better. And it is this. This word that is used for hypocrisy or hypocrite is, it is the giver of an answer or response, all right? You've got a response in play. You've got somebody who answers something. There is word. What was Jesus talking about, about the Pharisees? That they said the right things. They just didn't do the right things, which indicates the next part of this meaning to be ever so true, and it is this. It is a stage player or actor, an actor. In the end, a hypocrite is nothing more than an actor. What does an actor do? We, you know, we like our, our TV shows and our movies and all of those things, and you look at something, and, and you, can tell, you can tell a good actor from a really bad one because when they, they perform and they do something, you feel a little bit of what that character is going through. You can feel it. This is, and, and, you know, a lot of times it's, it's an interesting thing. You know, uh, the, the Terminator became the governor of California, as you remember. And uh, the, I think that he actually got dubbed the governator. I don't, I don't know. But he, you know, he became the governor. And everybody looked at Arnold Schwarzenegger as this actor, this movie guy, this, you know. And I suppose politicians, oh, don't go there. You know, uh, but, you know, you, you have this view of individuals, and then you realize, but that's not really them. They're human beings. It's a funny thing. I always find it comical when my two girls see teachers outside of school, and they're, like, you know, shopping at Target. We, we saw one teacher at Target one day, and, and she was shopping, and the girls were like, there, look, look, one of her teachers, as if, She's only supposed to be teaching. She's not supposed to be shopping. That's what normal people do. This is, this is just breaking the mold of everything. It just messes with your mind. A hypocrite messes with your mind. A hypocrite is somebody who is putting on a show. They are an actor, a stage player. What they are saying is not necessarily lining up with who they really are. In the New Testament, especially, it is a word that is a moral, listen to this, you can write it down if you are taking notes, a moral or religious counterfeit. You know, I, as I, I read that part of the definition, I thought this is, this is incredible. You know, and, and I immediately went to, you know, if, if you happen to have a $100 bill, the newer ones that came out a few years ago, when they first hit the scene, Almost every store vendor, every, everybody in the store, what they have? They had this little special marker, and they just run it across the bill. Because there was something with that marker, and I don't understand it, but there was something with that marker that if, 
if it was a counterfeit bill, something else would show. And I thought, man, they're writing on the money. What's wrong with you? It's a nice, crisp, you know, 100 or 50 or whatever it might be. They run it across there. Make sure it's real. Make sure it's real. Wouldn't it be nice to just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> across the forehead, have a special marker? Oh, God, help us if that were the case. This is why we aren't in the position that God is in. God knows what's going on on the inside. You see, this idea that it is a moral or religious counterfeit, that is, you put on a show for others around you, there is something on the outside that, that indicates, I'm okay, that everything is fine, that spiritually I'm with the Lord, but on the inside there's something else that's going on. There is that time of privacy that you know that you know that you are something other than what you ought to be brothers and sisters hypocrisy needs to be taken out we got to take out the trash of hypocrisy why why is hypocrisy so bad it is so bad because it shuts the doors to the kingdom of heaven it shuts the doors listen to this we read it if you're still in Matthew 23, jump down to verse 13. Matthew 23 and verse 13. The Bible says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. In other words, not only does a hypocrite is a, not, is a hypocrite not entering the kingdom of heaven, but a hypocrite is somebody, especially when it is discovered that they are not who they say they are, all of a sudden now it's turned around and people are running away from church. They're running away from your supposed testimony. They're running away from what it is that you have so boldly professed and proclaimed because they found out that it doesn't necessarily work. This is the danger. This is why it's so important for us, I believe, to be consistent in our lives as believers. That when we go to follow the Scripture, that we're not just following it on Sunday. We're not following it on a time where it's easy for us to follow it, but when it is most difficult for us to follow the, the Bible and follow the Scripture and, and live like Jesus lived, that we live it out and flesh it out on a daily basis, that we allow the life of the Spirit to work in us on a regular basis and that we submit to the Lord. We, we sang the song a couple of weeks ago, I surrender all, that we would surrender everything to the Lord and say, Lord, you come and make me on the inside what I ought to be because there is a testimony that is at stake if I don't don't live the way that I know I need to live as a Christian. There is somebody that I might just drag to hell with me. You say, Pastor, really? Hell, you're going to mention that in the midst of it all? Yes. You see, a hypocrite's not concerned necessarily about heaven or hell. They are concerned about a cover-up. They don't worry about heaven or hell. Eternity is not their concern. Their concern is, how can I cover this situation? Jesus said of the Pharisees that they were whitewashed tombs. In other words, let me slap a coat of paint on it. You know, uh, in, in, 
Sad to say in the day and age that we live in, cover-ups are all too common. Slap a coat of paint on a wall, a, a sheetrock wall that has been saturated with water over time, and it's been, you know, the, the, the summertime, the heat, maybe there's been some humidity, and there's mold in there. And so some unscrupulous landlord would come along with some paint, put it on there. Not concerned about the end, concerned about the cover-up. Yeah, it looks good, looks good enough. Doesn't look too bad, but over time, you see, he didn't kill the mold. He didn't get rid of the problem. What happened was, is he just slapped a little paint on it, but something rotten is still on the inside. Something is eating away. Something is growing. Something is coming to the surface. And that's what happens with hypocrisy. And the danger is, is that it shuts down the testimony that you ought to have and I ought to have as a Christian as we lift up the name of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, what the world needs to see is it needs to see Jesus and it can only see it through you. He says this, you shut the door of heaven, of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Didn't really mean what I said. Close the door. Now, nah, you know what? My mother took me to church when I was a kid. You know, but I've abandoned that. I've forsaken it. Brothers and sisters, i got to tell you, more often than not, it is those individuals who have been exposed to the gospel, have had a testimony, and now are turning away in their hearts. It becomes most obvious, and they will shut the kingdom of heaven, the door to the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Those who want to enter won't be able to get in simply because they'll see that hindrance. Wait a minute. I thought your life was supposed to be changed. I thought Jesus said that when you're, you, you come to him that you are to be born again, born anew, born of the Spirit, that you are to be different than what, what the rest of us are. The world is not looking to find some Christian who can just make sure that everybody knows we can have fun as Christians. They are looking for life and for help. And we've got to put that in front of them, not as a show, but as a reality of what's going on on the inside of our own hearts. You see, Jesus lived in your life and through your life is going to mean a whole lot more to somebody who is going through the pain and the struggle of life. It's an interesting thing I have found that People in this church have said from time to time that, that all of a sudden people who maybe kind of stayed away, they will come to you as, as somebody of faith, somebody who has professed and is living a life that honors God on your job and where you are. They'll come to you and say, listen, I need prayer. My family, my child's dying or my child has this, this terminal illness or this terrible thing that's going on. They'll come to you. Why? Because you're living the life that honors him. Oh, listen, brothers and sisters, we got to open the doors wide because there is a whole lot room for more. Amen? Hypocrisy is so bad because it masks greed and self-indulgence. Look at verse 25 of Matthew 23. Jesus said this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but the inside they are full of but inside, they are full of greed and self-indulgence. 
Have you ever left a dish in the sink without anything to moisten the water? I, I tend to eat the kind of, you know, I, I, I eat cereal most of the time in the morning, so I put it, and I'm always, I always try to, you know, put some water in it, but if you leave it without the water, what happens? The cereal dries out, sticks to it, and it's all there. It's all on the inside. Now, you can wash the inside of that, and if all of a sudden you wash the, or the outside of that dish and put it back in the cupboard, but when you pull it out again, and if you put it in front of somebody and say, here you go, pour your cereal in there, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. This dish is dirty. Oh, no, 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 don't worry about it. It's just dried up on there. It's, no, no big deal. Oh, it's nasty, isn't it? Oh, just go ahead. Here you go. I'm not, I'm not eating out of that. Jesus said this, hypocrisy masks greed and self-indulgence. In other words, it's easy and possible for the outside to look spiritual. It's possible for the outside to look as though everything is okay. It's possible for the outside to look as if you are a giver. But on the inside, you're a taker. And on the inside, there is you are full and can be full of self-indulgence. Do you see where we're headed with this, folks? This is something that has to be an inside change, not an outside change. I'm not concerned about whether or not you can lift your hands and praise God the loudest. I'm not concerned about whether or not, and God certainly is not, we're not concerned about how it is that you are on the outside, though it does help in our services to just lift our voices and magnify the Lord and praise the Lord. But on the inside, if you are using that as a cover to cover up self-indulgence and greed, brothers and sisters, that is hypocrisy. You say, well, pastor, I'm just going to shut it down. You can, you can do what you want. The better thing to do is to clean the inside of the dish. The better thing is to get out the soap and the water of the Word and begin to get the blood of Jesus on the inside of you and begin to change what's happening on the inside of you. If it's a cover-up, folks, we need to get rid of the cover-up and say, Lord, it's time to take out the trash of hypocrisy. Let me get rid of it so that I can honor you from the very best of my heart. It covers things up that are going on on the inside. Self-indulgence. Self-indulgence doesn't happen in front of everybody because then it would be obvious. The hypocrisy would be done. As again, we come back to the definition of, of hypocrisy from the New Testament. You're an actor. An actor presents a character and somebody that he actually or she actually is not in real life. And what God is trying to get us, what Jesus was trying to get across to the people is, there has to be, as David cried out in Psalm 51, that great psalm of repentance, that God desires truth on the inward parts. That He desires us to be what we need to be as Christians. That we need to be and let the life of Christ live on the inside. So folks, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Carrying your Bible does not necessarily make you a Christian. Being able to quote the Bible does not necessarily make you a Christian. I am so tired of hearing, oh, this, this, this singer, he's a Christian because he said God in his... What kind of... What, how, 
what kind of gods is serving? When all of a sudden on the inside it comes out, it's full of self-indulgence and greed. Oh, they love Jesus. How do you know that? Really? When their actions say something different. Their words might say something, but their actions speak to something different. Brothers and sisters, this is a life to be lived, not simply a testimony to be spoken. When the testimony lines up with the life, you've got something powerful, something that can change somebody's life, something that can reach down into the dust of people's lives and say, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I have, let me just give to you. Rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we cannot allow hypocrisy to run rampant in our lives. Hypocrisy is so bad because it's the ultimate spiritual lie. Hypocrisy is so bad because it's the ultimate spiritual lie. Verse 28 of Matthew 23. The Bible says this. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. It is the ultimate of spiritual lies. It is, let me say that I'm righteous. Let me show righteousness but deep down on the inside, there is an element of wickedness that is running rampant through the heart. Oh, but I don't want people to know. I don't want them to know. But you know what, brothers and sisters? The bottom line is this. Even as good of a liar as you might end up being as a hypocrite, God always sees what's going on on the inside. The Bible says that everything is laid bare and open in front of Him. There is nothing that is hidden, He says, that will not come to light. You cannot lie to God. You can lie to your brothers and sisters. You can lie to them and they can look at you and say, man, what a man of God. What a woman of God. Ooh, I'm going to call. Next time I'm going through trouble, I'm going to call them. They can pray up a storm. They might be able to pray up a storm, but deep down on the inside, there's something else that's wrong and going on. Brothers and sisters, we cannot allow this to be part of our lives. We've got to have truth on the inward parts. There has to be that within us that says, Lord, I'm going to be faithful from the inside out, that there's going to be a change that will happen in my life, and I will not allow the acting of hypocrisy to be a part of my life. I'm not going to allow the lie to be purported in the church but instead I want to be true to you and I want to be true to my brothers and sisters because it is the truth that will set you free one final thing hypocrisy is so bad because it ignores the faults within ourselves while magnifying the lesser faults of others over in Matthew if you're still in Matthew go to chapter 7 let me just read this one verse of Scripture, verse 5. Matthew 7 and verse 5. The Bible says this, You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. 
that plank is something larger, something more deadly to you, something more painful. And yet somehow, sometimes we ignore our own faults and we magnify the lesser faults of others. It could be that one of your faults is you just like to do this. You like to magnify the lesser faults of somebody else because you're not really happy with you. And when you're not happy with you, what is the best way to somehow get happy with yourself? It is to look at somebody else and say, man, they're such a mess. Aren't they so just rotten? Look at them. They're not being what God wants them to be. We pull out God in it. Oh, they're not being what God wants them to be. They're not rising to the place that I know that God has for them. How about you? How about you stop your gossip and your slander and all kinds of the nonsense? How about we just start to focus on the inside of our own hearts and say, Lord Jesus, on the day of judgment, I'm not going to stand there and answer for my neighbor that I am trying to pick on right now. Instead, I'm going to stand there and I'm going to answer for one person, me. You don't answer for that other person. With that person's not being all that God wants them to be, you pray for them, leave it alone in the prayer closet, and don't bring it out. Because you know what? The bottom line is this, is that when it all comes down to it, you can help them by prayer, but pretty much that's it. That's it. Because when you begin to go to them, let me share with you what God showed me. You know what, what God's showing at that moment? you got a big giant plank in your eye you're ignoring. It's hypocrisy. He says, you, you look for that lesser fault in somebody else. You look for that little speck, that tiny little thing. Let me inspect. And you turn your head and you whack them with the plank that's sticking out of your eye. Oh, let me take a quick look. Let me see what's going on in the inside. That's not our jobs, folks. Our job is get rid of the th deal with self. Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, if your arm offends you, cut it off. Now, he wasn't talking literally, okay? Don't worry. He, he was not talking physically. In other words, he was saying spiritually, if there's something in your own life that should not be there, should not be a part of you, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Don't let it be a part of you. It ignores the faults within self while magnifying the lesser faults of others. So the question is this, what is the cure for hypocrisy? How are we really going to take out the trash? How are we going to get rid of this thing? How are we going to get rid of hypocrisy in our lives? First, I believe this, and I've already touched on this a little bit. We've got to remember that God sees what's on the inside. You can't fool God. You see, Jesus was sitting there and he was instructing the disciples and instructing the crowd and he was telling them exactly what was going on on the inside of the hearts of those Pharisees, those teachers of the law. He said, I, I know what's happening on the inside. Listen to 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. The Bible says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, as Samuel went out to anoint the new king over Israel because Saul had been rejected, and now there had to be a new king, and Samuel's going down the line, and sure enough, he's looking at Jesse's sons who are so strong, and they're big, they're military guys. They're like, obviously, this, this is the guy. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance 
or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. Look at that. Let me read it. If you're not there, don't worry about it. Let me read it again. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He sees what's going on on the inside of you. He knows what you're thinking about. He knows what's happening on the inside. So we have to first remember that there is somebody who sees and knows what's going on on the inside of my heart. In other words, the one I must be most concerned about, about what he thinks and what he knows, is God. We're all concerned about what everybody else thinks about us. What people in the church think and what's happening on the outside and, and how do I appear and how do I, how do I look and all of those things. We're all worried about that. We all think about that. But he says you can't be concerned about that. You, you've got to be concerned about what's on the inside of your heart because I see what's inside you. And I make my decisions based on what I see. God has a plan for each and every person in this room. And I want to tell you that though God may see inconsistencies in your life, He still has a plan for you. You see, there were Pharisees who loved Jesus. There were Pharisees who kind of came to Jesus on the sly. You know, they came to Him at night. They kind of kept it on the down low. Jesus, let's meet at nighttime. You know, let's let and and remember Nicodemus, he was a teacher of the law, he was a Pharisee, but he came to Jesus because he recognized there was something different about him. He knew that there was something that was not right on the inside of many of his colleagues as he looked around, and all they were concerned about was what people saw. God sees what's on the inside. The next thing that we need to do, and the cure for hypocrisy, is the opposite of hypocrisy, it's called holiness. The Bible says this in the book of Hebrews. It says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. We have to be holy. Holiness must start within and work its way out. Listen to what Jesus said. In Matthew 23 and verse 26, he said, blind Pharisee. He tells them what to do. First clean the inside of the cup and dish. And then the outside also will be clean. In other words, take care of what's happening in your heart. What's happening on the inside. What nobody else knows about that you think, that you do, that you go with the places that you go. Take care of the inside first. And it's called holiness. Not legalism. Holiness. Holiness has absolutely nothing to do with you know, what people got hung up on years ago. It was where I was growing up. You didn't wear makeup. If you wore makeup, you were Jezebel and you were on your way to hell. <laughs> Serious. And somebody thought a little bit better about it and thought, well, we're in the age of grace now. You know, certain denominations, they still stress it. Women should have long hair, you know, long, really long. You know, go figure. What, what are you supposed to do? Men, you should not. Mustache, out. Bad. See, I, bad. bad. This is bad. <laughs> and it might be bad because it just looks like my, you know, under my lip, under my nose is a little bit dirty because I was a blonde, you know. When, and what, I was a dirty blonde growing up. It just sort of looked 
dirty under my... But I, I kept it. I once shaved it off. Uh, I, I think shortly after I was married, I, I came, out of, came out of the bathroom having shaved it. My wife goes, put it back, put it back. I said, I can't. I got to let it grow. You know, holiness is not about these outward things. The idea of holiness is that it works from within to change our actions. We're all concerned about the outward appearance and how we look on the outside. I think we ought to be more concerned about, are we living for Jesus where we are? That's the idea of holiness. Are you living to lift him up? Are you living, making the most, as Paul said, making the most of every opportunity? Brothers and sisters, we have to be holy and take time to be holy. And then finally, we need, I believe the cure is, that we need to seek to please God rather than man. Turn to these two places in Scripture, 1 Thessalonians 2, and then we're going to go over to Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to close with this. We've got to seek to please God rather than man. As believers, we have a tendency to do this. We are worried about what people will say, what people around us, how they are, what they'll, what they'll do if they find out certain things. But, and if we, if we you know, really go in to, to, to just dive in, to get in there with the Lord and get close to Him, you know, what, you're trying to be holier than thou? You know, you, you hear stuff like that, and it, and it can discourage. But i got to tell you today, you're not here to please your neighbor. You're not here to please your brother and sister and make, say, they, well, they, they feel as though I'm just somehow being a holier-than-thou kind of Christian and that, you know, it's, it's a discouragement. No, you know what? You need to be concerned about one thing. You need to seek to please God rather than man. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4. He says, on the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. And he says this, we are not trying to please people, but God, and oh, by the way, he adds this, I love this, who tests the heart. We're going to please the one who tests our hearts, the one who knows what's happening on the inside of us. I'm not going to seek to please man. I'm not going to seek to please somebody else. You might be offended at something I say or something that I do. And if I'm preaching the Word of God, you need to take and just put the shoe on for a minute and check to make sure that it fits. I cannot please everybody. I can't please you. There are times I forget things and I don't, you know, I don't please somebody because I didn't forget, I didn't remember something or whatever the case might be. I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about is am I pleasing God? We've got to be concerned about that on a regular basis. Ephesians, and I want to read three verses of Scripture starting at verse 8 of chapter 5 in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 5, verses 8, 9, and 10. The Bible says this. It says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And notice what Paul says, live. That idea of living is not putting on a show. It is there is truth coming out of your life. There is the life of Christ. Live as children of the light. For the fruit, and he just shows us how it is that we tell that we're of the light. The fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. 
Remember, truth cannot be faked. God knows the truth. The truth sets people free. Lies bind people. Lies keep people bound in their sin. But listen to what he says in verse 10. And find out what pleases the Lord. If you've got a pursuit in your life, if you've got a goal that you're going after, if you've got something that you want to accomplish, can I tell you, put this at number one on your list of things that you need to do. Find out what pleases the Lord. Say, well, pastor, how do I do that? That sounds so mystical. It sounds so strange. It sounds so difficult. No, it's really not. All you have to do is come to the Scripture and find out what God has told us that we need to do. How it is that we're to live. How it is that we are to have truth on the inward parts and from our lives live lives that are pleasing to the Lord. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to live perfectly. And just because you mess up does not make you a hypocrite. The hypocrite doesn't repent. The hypocrite just whitewashes. The hypocrite gets a coat of paint and says, let me just fake it out and fake it so people will not know what's happening. Because you know what? Deep down on the inside, I might be having a little fun over here in the world, but i got to make sure the wife or the husband knows that I'm going to serve Jesus. I want to make sure that nobody knows I'm skulking off to this place and going to that place, and I'm kind of, you know, using this language here and there, and I'm using that language. Brothers and sisters, all that is evidence that there is just something rotten on the inside. But what we need is we need the power of the Holy Spirit to fill us anew and afresh. We need to say, Lord, I'm going to seek after you with all of my heart, my soul, and my mind. I want you to change me from the inside out. When the group from the Bible College was here last year, I believe it was last year around this time, the group that came led and worship that day. I want to say I remember them singing this chorus that we don't really know. You might have heard it. Many, many of you might already know it anyway because it's a fairly common now uh, worship chorus to people, worship song to people. It's called Inside Out. That that work would be from the inside out. You see, there's more to our lives than just going through the motions of Christianity and going through the motions of, you know, do, do people think I'm spiritual? Do people think that I have... It, it, it's not about what other people think in the pew. It's what God already knows that's going on in the inside of our hearts. And we have to say, Lord, let my, let my life be pleasing in your sight. Let my, let my pursuits be after you. Let me find out what pleases God. And listen, you won't have to go very far in the Scripture and very far in your time of prayer before God will begin to show you what pleases Him and how it is that He's going to help you to live a life that honors Him. Can we stand to our feet right now? And I want us just to pray and ask the Lord to help us today. Say, Pastor, now would be a good time for an altar call. <laughs> well, that may be so. But there is nothing different that happens at this altar that can't happen right where you're at. As you deal with you, as you talk to God about you, this is not a prayer time for us to pray for others. Oh, God, you know how badly they needed this message. No, no. You know, Lord, how badly I needed this message. I almost didn't preach this. I almost didn't preach it. I said, Lord, I cannot preach this message. This is too difficult for me. But the Lord impressed upon my heart, you've got to deal with this subject. 
You've got to deal with it, not because I know anything about anybody in this congregation, because I really don't, but just that God has to help us to have truth, and the truth has to come from within. It can't be a fake truth. It can't be an outward kind of thing. It's got to come from the inside out and work its way out in our lives. And I want us to pray right now, say, Lord God, deal with my heart. Help me to honor you with my life and honor you with the very best that I have. And Lord, I never want it to be said of me that I am an actor, that I am a stage player, that I am somebody who is a moral and religious counterfeit, but instead I want to be that that person who shows and lives the truth, whether it is in front of others or by myself, I want that truth to come out. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift our hearts to you right now. As a congregation, we come to you and ask for your forgiveness for the areas of our lives where we have been hypocritical, O oh God. Lord God, those areas of our lives where we have not been what we should be for you, we want to honor you with our lives from the inside out. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus that you would help us, Lord. God, nobody's pointing fingers at anybody else here today. We just want the Holy Spirit to point His finger deep down into our hearts and our beings, oh God, and help us to know that You provide a way of living in life that is honoring to You and pleasing to You. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that there would be no hypocrisy in our lives. That, Lord God, there would be truth on the inside. And that, Lord, that truth would work its way out of our lives. That we would please You and honor You with our very best. Lord God, cleanse us. Purify us, O God. That we might say and be able to say like this hymn that we sang earlier, it is well with my soul. Not my outward appearance, not my outward expression of religion or Christianity, but God, we would be able to say it's well with my soul. And Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would help us to live for you a life that is pleasing, O God. God, we need you. We need you now as never before. And God, I pray that none of us would run and hide spiritually this morning. That there wouldn't be any of us who would just try to duck under this message, oh God. But that, Lord, all of us would rise up in strength and say, Lord, you desire greater things for us. Lord, we love you today. And we're going to give you the glory. We're going to give you the honor today, Lord. You're going to help us. Your word tells us that your Holy Spirit will fill us to overflowing and help us to live a life that honors you. Your Spirit will work within us to be what we need to be, that we would be like Christ and molded and shaped into the image of Jesus. Lord, help us to live like you, and we will honor you. And today we're going to take out the trash of hypocrisy from our lives, and we're going to live to please you. Lord, touch your people. Lord, encourage them today. I know this has been a tough message to hear, not only to deliver, but a tough message to hear. So God, help us to know that when you speak to us, you always speak to us to come up higher, to come up a little bit higher than where we were and to live a life that honors you. You will give us the strength and you'll give us the power in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. The ushers are going to come forward right now. We're going to receive the building fund offering. You can be seated. 
Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. Musicians, why don't you come just for a moment? Just come. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We'll sing that chorus. I'm so glad Jesus set me free. Praise God. Praise God. Father, today we are grateful for how you've touched us and ministered to us. And Lord, I ask that you would help us to please you in every way. Lord, God bless, I pray, in this extra offering that we take each month, oh God. Lord, you see the expenses, and I pray, Lord, that you would help and bless in your, for your kingdom's use. In your name we pray, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen.